Welcome to Locally Sourced Joey, the podcast about anything and everything. Joined by friend of the podcast, fellow UM grad, and now director of media relations of the Jacksonville Sharks, the world champion Jacksonville Sharks, Xander Keen. Xander, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Absolutely. Well, world champion uh, four years ago. Unfortunately, we came up <laughs> came up one game short I this count, past yeah. season. But it definitely, yeah, you know, we claim the Arena Bowl title, obviously, and uh, definitely hang on to that one. The banner still flies, so the world Excellent. champion moniker is good to go. Excellent. And, you know, having both been Miami grads, there's no shame in uh, living in the past a little bit of uh, terrific accomplishments, although Jacksonville had... Probably a better season than Miami's been having. Although, this weekend, Halloween Eve, uh, well, no, I guess actually Halloween, (laughs) the evening of Halloween, uh, Miami played Duke in just one of the most absurd football games uh, that I've ever seen, at least in the finish. And uh, what was going through your head uh, on the last couple of uh, drives there? Yeah, it's one of those things where, first of all, you know, considering the circumstances surrounding the team all week heading into it with starting quarterback being out, head coach being fired, a defensive back, Artie Burns, you know, tragically losing his mother and the team having to overcome that heading into the fourth quarter. It's all of a sudden, you know, at a good Duke team up 24 to 12, you're thinking, all right, you know, this team's playing for Larry Scott and, you know, maybe we can make something out of this season. And then a systematic blowing of a two touchdown lead with a little bit of help from the officials as well. And then absolute madness, of course, ensuing uh, with six seconds and then far beyond when the, t- the clock would have normally expired. Yes, it was just, I, I unfortunately was watching this with a lot of people who, or maybe fortunately, a lot of people who aren't football fans. Um, and so it was, it was an interesting uh, dynamic, I guess, to see me going nuts at my alma mater and already, you know, a big football fan and Everyone else is just kind of like, oh, I don't really care for this. But then uh, on the, the eight lateral play, they were all going nuts, too. And I just imagine that would be what it's like watching with Gus Johnson and that he isn't necessarily the most knowledgeable in the sport, but damned if he is yelling and having a good time watching it. <laughs> yeah, nothing but pure passion. I'm guessing where you were at, it was probably initially confusion, like the people that aren't necessarily into football not really understanding what's happening because a crazy lateral situation not something that happens in the normal course of the game, but yeah, I mean, the craziest part to me was the fact that they made some progress up the field and then Mark Walton may or may not have been down, then basically ended up all the way back at the goal line before Dallas Crawford got it back to Cornelder for ultimately what was like an original kickoff return. It just took 45 seconds to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's very... Uh... You know, Crawford started it off with the throw, the former high school quarterback, of course, and that's the only part of the lateral that uh, they practice, and the rest is just improvising. And I have to say, it worked out uh, pretty well um, as far as the improvising go. But of course, there's always the haters. That I, I mean, I, I'm sure you've been hearing from people too who have just kind of been trying to rain on the parade a little bit of, oh, his knee is down, oh, there's a block in the back, oh, all this, and I, I personally love it. I mean, just keep on crying, haters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, college football in general is better when there's a little bit of craziness, a little bit of controversy, and a little bit of bad officiating, because there's a lot of that going around these days. It seems like in football of all levels, but specifically college football. So yeah, I love it. I mean, you know, this is far different from the way people hated Miami back in the day, back in our glory days, but there's a little bit of that with this, and it's nice to see people get so caught up in, you know, Miami getting a win that they shouldn't or whatever, even though the fact that it's at Duke is just very strange that 
this is the type of victory that we're celebrating. I know. And like Duke of all teams should not be complaining about officiating, but I guess that's their football program is not really seen. The, yeah. The I, I wouldn't of, punish of, David yeah. Cutcliffe for the sins of Mike Krzyzewski, but that's yeah. just me. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, just, I, I still very much enjoy watching this um, and have done it several times a day since uh, since it's happened, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. And who knows, maybe it does lead to uh, a great turnaround for Miami program and celebrating a national championship by 2017. That's the goal, right? Yeah, that's what we can hope for. I mean, that's kind of been the goal for the last 10 years or so since we were <laughs> a freshman, hoping, hey, if we can make some progress this year and really turn it on. And this head coach is really going to be the answer. But all I can say is, I just hope this head coaching hire goes better than the last one and the one before that. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine it going next or much worse than that. And at the same time, I was just thinking of this the other day. We both attended Miami at the same time. I started in 2006, ended in 2010. And since we began college, Miami has had one bowl win. And that is... That, I believe, was our freshman year. Yeah. And not only that, in Boise against Nevada that required a ridiculous interception in the final (laughs) seconds to, I think, win by one. Yes, that is 100% correct. I remember it was on New Year's Eve, too, and I was at a New Year's Eve party, again, surrounded by a group of people who are not really football fans, and I was even barely watching the game um, and, and had a subdued celebration because it's always a little strange if there's just one guy, you know, screaming and yelling, and there's 12 or 15 other people around doing nothing yeah we um, we came yeah. into miami at an interesting time because 2005 the team was still decent competing for acc championships kyle wright was a promising quarterback after his first year starting and i think if i remember correctly we were like number 11 or 12 preseason heading into our freshman year with a big game against florida state on labor day and then it just sort of slowly declined from there yeah i remember that was my first uh, actual what I thought was like a real football game because my high school, I believe, won two games uh, the most in a season um, while I was there. So I was really excited of getting my first taste of, you know, big action college football. Um, and it was one of the worst games I've ever seen for sure. I think it was 13 to 10 was the final score. Yeah, it was bad. There, there was like almost no rushing yardage for either team. It was rainy. I mean, it really was a, a very good taste of what we would expect both <laughs> over the four years that we attended Miami and then in the intervening time since then. Yeah, and it's been... I'm just glad I, I get to watch these games from my, a dry spot now because some of those... Some of those when it was pouring rain. Um, yeah, I remember another game yeah. against Florida State as well. It might have been our junior year or so. I, I remember it was perfectly sunny for the entire first half, and then at halftime, just some massive front moved in, basically turned into a monsoon, and I remember having to walk back to our car in like six inches of rain after just like an hour and a half. Oh yeah, I had to throw my phone in rice when I got home. Um, of course, I didn't have rice, so I just took the battery out, and it worked, so that was back in the day when you could easily take the battery out of your phone, right. and you didn't have to uh, rely on a lot of other things. And and. That game was the one where uh, Travis Benjamin had his little coming out party, right? Where he had like a, I think he threw for a touchdown. Um, yeah, it was and, weird. And had there, a there was like a tackle too. eligible screen situation. It was one of those Florida State got up big early when the weather was nice. And then that was basically Randy Shannon pulling out all of the stops <laughs> and trying to come back and almost doing it. I, I seem to remember there was like a, Sam Shields got called for some inexplicable penalty when we were driving to potentially take the lead that kind of killed things. So Yeah, and uh 
that's I guess that's been Miami's mo. I still to this present day, twenty three penalties in that Duke game. Although I, I would argue at least a couple of them were were more phantom calls than uh, than some of the others. Yeah, I mean, look, things are going to happen. Like, there's going to be false starts and offsides and penalties that are not judgment calls whatsoever. But when there's an 18 penalty disparity, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit painful, but still a great win for Miami. And I uh, we easily could talk about this all day, but we'll we'll spare uh, the haters out there who are quite plentiful. But no one listening to this podcast, they all love Miami, or else we uh, we wouldn't let them listen. So it's always good. Um, but wanted to talk a little bit too. I uh, we, we have done many a broadcast together, whether it was on uh, Miami's radio station, WVUM, for I think just about every sport that uh, the station broadcasts. Maybe we didn't get a, you know, a women's soccer game or a, a tennis match in there, but um, just all the different, the different sports there. And then on UMTV, uh, getting the co-anchor and in our final show, I still remember I was in orange and you were in green. Completely, completely unplanned. Yeah, yeah, that was phenomenal. Not- not I'm pretty all, sure but... I still have that picture somewhere. So excellent, yes, it is a it is a good one, and I should get it framed immediately because always got to represent the U. Um, and since since graduating, uh, well, actually, let's ask first. So, do you have a, a favorite broadcasting moment from Miami? Um, I'm trying to think. There were a couple of walk off home runs calling baseball that definitely stood out. I mean, I would say by and large. Um, doing more baseball games than any other sport just because of the number of games and the fact that we got to do both home and away games for baseball. Probably most of my memories from there. One that I specifically remember had nothing to do with me, or I was on the broadcast, but the way we used to do it at Miami on student radio is there'd be two or three broadcasters, depending on the sport, and we'd kind of rotate play-by-play and and color throughout the course of the game so that everybody got some good reps on either side. And I remember it was an ACC Big Ten Challenge game against Minnesota, and I think I did the first half of play-by-play, and then the second half, um, our friend Andrew Green was on play-by-play, and there was just a ridiculous series of threes, and he basically channeled his Gus Johnson. I remember (laughs) he dropped a Malcolm Grant, hit that one from the parking lot. That was phenomenal. Um, So just to be part of that was probably my top memory. I remember that game. It was a very entertaining game to watch, and and it sounds like to listen to as well. Um, which is, yeah, always good. I, I, I think the basketball games are my favorite um, just because basketball is my favorite sport, and it, it really does kind of lend itself to the most chaos, I feel like. Um, with, with baseball and football, you usually at least have a couple seconds to kind of right. gather your yeah, thoughts there's in the between. Build, there's the buildup you know, in a yeah. big situation for both baseball and football, depending on how the game goes. But yeah, basketball, A, just the action in general is more frantic, and there's an opportunity for like crazy back-and-forth stuff at any time. Yeah, and I think uh, the game I remember most um, that I was on the broadcast was Miami played Virginia, uh, and that was when Jack McClinton was still on the team and Sean Singletary uh, was on Virginia, and I, I'm totally blanking on his name, but they had this big uh, like Lithuanian guy, too, who was like 7-1, and it, the final score of the game was like 96-94 to 94 or something like that, and... Just so many people had career highs in scoring and rebounding. The Lithuanian guy had like 22 and 19, um, which was just absurd to watch. Um, and of course, Jack had his his usual like 36 point uh, with like six threes in a seven minute span. So clearly, both of us like the barrage of threes, and uh, 
definitely saw some interesting games there. I uh, for a, a writing journalism class, um, I was at a game where James Dews hit a, a game-winning buzzer beater to beat Georgia Tech, who I believe was ranked at the time, and Miami was the worst team in the ACC that year. So that was a cool like, hey, this isn't going to help us at all in terms of uh, you know getting us into March Madness, but still, still really cool to see. And I think that was the only buzzer beater I witnessed uh, live while I was at Miami. Yeah, and. One of the cool things, too, especially now, you know, years later, was getting to call Jimmy Graham doing things on the basketball court back when he was, like, the second or third guy off the bench who really couldn't play basketball very well, but had a lot of energy, blocked shots, got rebounds, and then now you see him as one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I know. It's nuts that he had one year of experience at Miami, and and I remember thinking on the basketball court, it's like, yeah, Jimmy will give us maybe, like, eight to ten minutes of... Just like you said, that high energy. Yeah, like he'll he get four points, five yeah. boards, and two blocks in exactly. like 11 minutes. And a very nice guy, too. I remember um, nowadays this is just going to sound like me being a creeper, but I was uh, writing a story on just kind of the, the atmosphere of a, a Canes basketball game. Um, and I believe this was the year they went to the NCAA tournament, which would have been 2008. Um, and I literally just like kind of ambushed him in a parking lot. I just walked up to him and I was like, hey, Jimmy, I'm doing this story. Like, do you mind chatting for a little bit? And he was super nice about it. He was like, sure, you know, all the time you need, answered all my questions. I shook his hand afterwards. I said, go get him. And then I don't remember what he did in the game. But he was he was definitely a super nice guy and, and glad he's at least seeing a few more targets now in Seattle after complaining about it earlier. Yeah, definitely uh, kind of a weird situation there with the Seahawks. Hey, let's trade for this guy and then not use him for the first month of the season. But Especially considering their other options, which are never I <laughs> Seattle passing attack is never something that a lot of people fear. Yeah, this is a pretty good Jimmy Graham tangent we went on just now. I know, I liked it. I liked it. We'll, uh, we'll dye our hair orange in, I, I don't know, homage, I guess. If we can get custom... Was he? He was double zero, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The custom double zero jerseys for future podcasts and incorporate video. We'll be good to go. The big double zero. I always found it interesting. Like I, I can't think of a double zero player who was a guard. Like Jimmy Graham might have honestly been the shortest double zero person that I can think of. I'm only drawing like seven two centers that could barely play. I think Robert Parrish at the end of his career, I uh, or maybe even for all of it. I, I don't know. You'd you'd know better than me being a Boston guy. So. Yeah, there may be a rule that you know that we're unaware of, but it might be at the very back of the rule book. Like as soon as you hit six six or six seven, you have to add the second zero. I like it. I like that a lot. You get a growth spurt while you're in the NBA, and all of a sudden your your number changes. <laughs> that would be strange. Some guy gets drafted as like a six four shooting guard, and then all of a sudden <laughs> at the age of twenty one has a massive growth spurt. All of a sudden he's a power forward. Uh, that's, did that happen to Paul George? Wasn't he like 6'7", and now he's like 6'10 and a half or something like that? Yeah, it sounds like it could be right. Uh, it's amazing. Um, God, the Pacers are a very bad team to watch, though. But again, getting off on the tangents, because that's, that's how we do. Um, and so, since we've graduated, you've had a, a an interesting path to get to uh, where you are now, and have, have made some, some great stops along the way, and I'm sure gotten to see some excellent uh, sports at, at some of the various leagues throughout the country and i love to just hear a little bit about the journey that's brought you from miami just a little bit up north to florida and uh, jacksonville yeah a bit of a circuitous route um actually started literally the day after we graduated back in 2010 i packed my car and headed to moorhead city north carolina which is a really small town um kind of on the 
north edge of the Outer Banks, or the south part of the Outer Banks up there, about an hour and a half northeast of Wilmington, and ended up doing a lot of broadcasting, media relations type stuff for a, a college wood bat summer league team. It was a great three-month internship type situation that kind of got my feet wet in the sports industry. It was great to have right after graduating because that sort of, especially, you know, in the last few years is definitely the thing on everyone's mind as I graduate, especially in journalism, because as we've seen, not ideal sometimes. So that was good to kind of be active and get some reps and some good stuff right after graduating. Then the next January, I ended up getting um, a position with the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, which is the AA affiliate of the Kansas City Royals, kind of doing similar stuff there. I was able to be on the broadcast um, for all home games, doing some play-by-play and, and some analysis as well, as well as doing you know other uh, media relations type things, all the behind-the-scenes stuff like game notes and press releases and game stories and all that good, good stuff. So that was a season-long situation, and then it just – well, I guess I'll back up because one of the cool parts about that that's now relevant today is that being the AA affiliate of the Royals saw a lot of the guys that are part of the now World Series champions – before they were big. Um, I remember Salvador Perez actually started the year as kind of a a prospect that was on people's radar, not really that highly regarded, but a guy that was about 20 years old with some potential, and all of a sudden he took off. Kelvin Herrera was a guy that came up on our team during the middle of the season uh, and was lights out that year, and we've seen what he's done in the big league since then. So that was really cool just to get a taste of that, a taste of minor league baseball, and ended up through a connection Right around the time my internship was ending, I uh, ended up coming down here to Jacksonville. And I work with the Jacksonville Sharks right now uh, in the Arena Football League. And I knew absolutely nothing about Arena Football when I came here because the AFL has been around for 28 years, but it never has really had a foothold in the Northeast. And being from Massachusetts, I was never really exposed to it. So kind of knew nothing about the sport, but it's been a fun ride. I mean, it's kind of a combination of football and basketball because of the pace and the high scoring and how fast it is. So just to be around that has been, has definitely been a blast. Fortunately, I've had a little bit of opportunity to do some broadcasting as well. Um, but if you had asked me back in 2010, if I ever thought I was going to be working for an arena football team, I would have called you crazy because I <laughs> would have known nothing about it. So it's uh, kind of an interesting route to get here. Even though, like you said, I've gone about five hours North in the state of Florida. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a fantastic ride, and I, I remember hearing you on a, an ESPN3 broadcast um, during the AFL playoffs this past year, and I was, like, texting people. I was like, hey, go like check out ESPN3 right now. Like, I know him, I know him. So it, it's definitely, I, and and that was a win, if I uh, recall correctly. Yeah, it was. was it was, it, it was yeah. interesting. Um, we kind of, just for everyone, obviously, all of our listeners have a lot of pre-existing knowledge about the AFL and the Jacksonville Sharks, but just as a reminder, um, we've been around <laughs> since 2010, won the Arena Bowl in our second season, which coincidentally was about three months before I joined the franchise, so missed out on a ring by a little bit, but so it goes. Um, and then ended up missing the playoffs for the first time last year in 2014, and basically we just revamped our team in free agency and brought in a bunch of established, talented players in the Arena Football League, and... It didn't work very well at the start of the season. We started 0-4 and, and, you know, what, we were like the third to last team to get a win in the entire league and then basically turned it on after that, finished 10-8, and ended up having to go on the road winning at Orlando, the game you mentioned that uh, 
I was lucky enough to be on the call for ESPN3. And then at Philadelphia, you know, underdogs in both games, ended up going out to California to play the Arena Bowl against what was a 17-1 and San Jose Sabercats team in the regular season. And unfortunately, had some injuries at wide receiver in a pass-heavy sport like arena football, that's going to hurt, and ended up uh, kind of falling apart a little bit in the second half and, and losing that game. But yeah, it was a fun ride, kind of turned ourselves the road warriors, and uh, it was definitely uh, definitely a good run. Yeah, and and just a, a joy to watch. Um, I don't get to catch as much uh, AFL just because it's, it's you know not broadcast as much, and I Austin, of course, does not have uh, any professional sports team, um, but uh, no, no AFL presence, um, and unless there is one that I'm not aware of, but no, uh, I, I don't believe so. <laughs> Excellent, yeah, we get I uh, some minor league baseball, basketball, and hockey, which are are all still enjoyable. And I think you know there is uh, something to be said that it's you know it's not the the highest level, um, but it's still very entertaining to watch, and I. Uh, and in some cases, I feel like the the players even you know are, are more invested in it and uh, you know fighting even more hard uh, than I don't even know what I'm trying to say. My dog's starting to climb up on me, so it's always a, a slight distraction there. But yeah, you know, just just watching the the intensity out there, um, and like you said, a little combination of basketball and football uh, is is very entertaining to watch. And if a listener has not seen an AFL game. Uh, definitely check it out next season in year 29 it'll be yeah it'll be year 29 the yeah the crazy thing is i mean the numbers are ridiculous like our quarterback tommy grady not tom brady but tommy grady (laughs) uh threw 95 touchdowns this year and he didn't even come close to leading the league so i think that tells you all you need to know but yeah i mean a lot of the guys are you know when they first come to the afl it's a lot of guys that are maybe undersized or their body type just doesn't fit a traditional NFL position or like the receivers, you know, not quite as fast, not quite as big, not quite as tall, but yeah, the quality of play is really high. I mean, it just goes to show you how small the margins are because a lot of these guys, if given the opportunity, you know, could definitely be in the CFL. Some could be in the NFL. And it's just a matter of, you know, some players get the right person to watch them play and end up in the NFL for six years and other guys don't. And then you end up in the arena football league. But yeah, it's, uh, it's unique because, the cool thing is it's familiar because it's football, but it's unique in just sort of, you know, just some of the plays, some of the things you see, and just the the general style of the game. Amazing. And I I, I just remembered we actually did this um, at the end of the Miami game where we uh, sprinted down the field because why not? Um, and in our, in our uh, polos and khakis, which I would not recommend to anyone do, um, let alone in a sweltering Miami day, but... Have you gotten to, to run around on the field at all since you've been in Jacksonville, or is I do you have a little bit more professionalism? No, a little bit. I mean, you know, in our arena, obviously we share it with like different events and concerts and stuff. Um, but you know, our field will go down, you know, in the days before the game. So yeah, there's been some some flag football situations on the field for sure. Excellent, excellent. And, uh, looking forward to hearing uh, your best touchdown celebration, which is a little teaser. And if uh, this podcast had advertising, that would be a great time to throw in the ad right now. But it doesn't, so <clears throat> we will just move on. Although, <clears throat> before I move on, because I do want to talk uh, about the NFL a little bit, um, you mentioned that you were you were there just after I you, you missed out on getting a ring. Would you have actually gotten a ring if you were there when the team won it? Yeah, um, oh, nice. that's kind of a it's <laughs> it's a pretty common thing in professional sports that you know the full time front office people, but. 
the somewhat awkward thing, and this actually happened to me two years in a row, because when I went to Northwest Arkansas, they had won the Texas League the year before I was there in 2010. So I attended a ring presentation dinner where the front office people all got their rings and I didn't. And then I went to Jacksonville where they had just won the Arena Bowl and at some point before the next season got to attend a ring presentation dinner where the coaches, players, and front office all got their rings. So if this continues, hopefully I will luck out at some point in my career and get one. But uh, I've seen it, just haven't uh, been able to get the (laughs) hardware myself. That's halfway there. Exactly. And, and at least you got a nice dinner out of it, it sounds like. So yeah, no, knowing is half the battle, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's one step closer than, than a lot of us will get to having a ring. Um, and then you can uh, show it off all the time, which is never exactly. a bad thing. Not at all. Um, and I, I'm going to segue back to something you said like five minutes ago, uh, mentioning Tom Brady. <laughs> um, so, again, being from Massachusetts, um, you're a big Patriots fan. I... Is there any way that they are not winning the Super Bowl this year? I mean, I would say if they get a couple more injuries on the offensive line, that'll make things pretty difficult because right now left tackle Nate Solder's out for the year with the torn biceps and they've got some other guys that are banged up. And that's sort of the one thing where it's like right now the offense looks unstoppable because Brady's got time to throw. They throw so quickly between Gronk and Edelman. Now Brandon LaFell is getting back. And of course, Deion Lewis, a little dirty as Julian Edelman calls him. (laughs) is just doing some things that people clearly can't handle across the league. I mean, the offensive line is the main concern because you look on defense and the defensive line is underrated but sort of effective for what they have to do. They've got two of the most versatile and, in some cases, best linebackers in the league in Jamie Collins and Dante Hightower. And the secondary isn't great, but they've been good enough. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know... Fallen into this trap before a few times, <laughs> uh, namely my sophomore year of college, 2007. But you have to be confident, you know, with the way, especially when last year, after a month of the season, things were going well. They were 2-2. Two and two. They had just gotten obliterated by the Chiefs. Certain people in certain circles were calling for Jimmy Garoppolo, and we all saw what happened after that. So with how well this season has started, definitely a little bit uh, more confidence at this point. But... Then on the other hand, you have the Broncos, who people are like, oh yeah, this team's undefeated, but they're not that great, and then they obliterate the Packers and seem to be getting stronger. So there's certainly teams uh, that could get in their way, depending on how things shake out. Yeah, and it's uh, this season has been, at least for me, very hard to, to figure out and peg teams that, yeah, you think they're, they're good, and then like Atlanta, you think, oh, they could beat this Tampa Bay team pretty, pretty handily, and and I uh, just get really outplayed, even though they only lost by three, like pretty, pretty severely outplayed. Um, and the, the Patriots have been the one consistent, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that offensive line. Um, I know all too well about poor offensive line play being a Bears fan, um, but that's more poor all play. So it's, it's been a season. It's yeah, and then, season. then you've got Cincinnati and Carolina kind of mirroring each other on the other side where... They start 3-0, 4-0, and people are like, yeah, they're good. They'll be in the playoffs, but come on. They'll come back to earth eventually. I mean, when the season started, Atlanta looked like a machine on offense with Devontae Freeman just killing everybody and you know Matt Ryan and Julio Jones doing their thing. And you're like, all right, yeah, Atlanta will pull away from Carolina and we'll see what happens. And maybe on the other side, oh, yeah, the Steelers will hang with Cincinnati and you know we'll see what happens in the playoffs. And the opposite's coming true. Those teams are both undefeated. So kind of hard to 
pin down, you know, whether they're serious contenders because especially with Cincinnati, like we've seen this before, they're a little bit better now, but they've been around for a while and then have not done anything uh, once we get into January. Yeah, and I think this Thursday actually is going to be very telling um, because Andy Dalton, oh man, I think I just made myself have to post this before Thursday. Uh-oh, lots of pressure now. But, um, Andy Dalton getting his first, uh, we're getting our first primetime Andy Dalton um, on the Thursday night game with the Browns. And uh, astute NFL fans may remember last year when the Browns paid the Bengals a visit. Andy Dalton had one of the worst games a quarterback has ever had in NFL history. Um, I believe his Final yardage total was 86. I think he was 10 for 33 for 86 yards and three touch or three interceptions. And the Browns, who had not really been a good team up to that point, had a, like, I think it was a 24 to three win. And it I was just another reminder that yeah, primetime Andy Dalton is is a completely different beast than one o'clock Eastern Andy Dalton. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, how the Bengals fare against the. This Browns team is terrible, but I'm still a little shaky uh, picking the Bengals this week, but I'm still going to do it because the Browns have just looked really bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it's interesting in the AFC, just the way the playoff picture is right now, because almost halfway through the season, you can kind of get a read on how things are going. And at the top, you've got Denver, Cincinnati, and New England that are undefeated. And then you have the Jets and Raiders who just played each other. They're both four and three. And the entire rest of the conference is under 500. <laughs> God, the AFC South. What? How many wins do you think the, the winner of that division has? Six, seven? Five? Six, I, think six, I think six is on the high end at this point. I mean, <laughs> because, like, the Titans are a mess. They just fired their head coach and Marcus Mariota's banged up. The Texans are a mess because they just cut a guy who started multiple games for them at quarterback because he <laughs> missed the team playing. And the Jaguars just aren't very good. They've got a lot of young talent, especially on offense, and they haven't put it all together yet. But all of a sudden, they're kind of lurking. Like They got a nice win against Buffalo and London, and they're a half game out right now. And the Colts just fired their offensive coordinator. God, I would love to see Jacksonville make the playoffs. I think they're the most fun team to watch. Out oh, of definitely. Group. And I mean, um, it would be, you know... I mean, people will have things to say, you know, about any team that's like five and eleven or six and ten winning a division, but especially if it's the Jaguars. But yeah, I mean, this is a team that, hey, you never know, you know, Blake Bortles can get hot, and you know, the Allen brothers, as some people are calling them, Allen Hurts and Allen <laughs> Robinson, could could go crazy and make things a little weird against a wild card team. We'll see. I hope so. That would be so much more entertaining than the Colts going six and zero in the division and zero and ten against everyone else, and just. Losing the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> Andrew Luck still has half as many wins as Matt Hasselbeck this season. Oh, that is so depressing. And I still keep getting uh, pegged for Andrew Luck on the street. I had a guy, I was in Disney World maybe about a month ago, and uh, a guy tapped my girlfriend on the shoulder and showed a picture of Andrew Luck and did not say a word and then pointed at me. And we're like, do you not speak English? And then in perfect English, he was like, hey, you look like Andrew Luck. And I was like, you were like, thanks. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. If it. I were you, I would uh, shave regularly because that will definitely separate yourself from Andrew Luck. Yeah. It'll it'll deter people. And I, I'm thinking during the off season, I might not shave and see if I can parlay that into, you know, maybe someone will buy me a, a drink or something and or a, a right. hot and meal. Then, and then maybe the beard will then make your voice reach the impressively <laughs> low register that it's Andrew Lux. I know. I've, I need to work on the voice. It's like sort of like a Frankenstein's monster. It's like, oh, I'm Andrew Lux, but it's it's very difficult to do, and even just that one second hurt my throat. So 
still still need a little work to do on that, but it'll be I uh, once it's perfected, it'll be golden. Um, and and one other NFL note, I uh, just going back to the Falcons. This this triggered my memory. Um, so earlier this year when they played the Cowboys, uh, which at the time my friend Sean, we'll give him a shout out. Thanks for the the ticket, Sean, to uh, this game. Uh, so the Falcons were playing the Cowboys in week three of the NFL season, and uh, at the time when I said, yes, I'll go to this game, it was week one, so I was like, that'll be a pretty good matchup. You know, the Falcons in high-flying offense, pun absolutely intended, and the Cowboys, you know, were playing well. And then, of course, Des Bryant and Romo get hurt in consecutive weeks, and all of a sudden I'm getting to see Brandon Whedon in person, um, and... That was the first week Devontae Freeman really went off. Um, I think prior to the game, he had fewer than two yards of carry, uh, which the fan right behind me was very upset about this. He's like, Devontae Freeman has done nothing. Like, why are we letting this guy run all over the place? And he's, he's justified it since then. Um, but the other two things I took away from that game, uh, Julio Jones is amazing, which I think everyone already knows that, but he is just something else to watch in person. He's nuts. Um, and there was this one Falcons fan who complimented my shirt, which was a, a retro Derrick Rose, where he looks like a video game character from NBA Jam. And he said, PlayStation. And I was like, no, Super Nintendo, because I didn't have a PlayStation growing up. Um, but he came down later, and any time the Falcons scored, he would come and kind of perch himself in this really weird stance like he was a hawk, and then flap his arms and just go, <laughs> ah! Ah! And like, just turn and make eye contact with like one person and do it. And then turn and make eye contact with someone else and do it again. And it was so wonderful. And then towards the end of the game, the Falcons scored like, I think they had like 25 points in the second half. So we were hearing him quite often. Um, and, you know, I have no investment in either of these teams, really. So I was I was loving it. But I think some of the Cowboys fans towards the end of the game were like, damn it, this guy again is back. Yeah, I'd imagine not ideal uh, if a visiting fan or whatever is um, making bird noises in your seating section. Probably not what you prefer. Yeah, not not the best thing, but I uh, I mean he was loving it and and they got the win and then of course Cowboys fans were like well we didn't have Dez or Tony Romo so it doesn't count and Falcons were like well it does count so yeah and you still victories. don't have Dez or Tony yeah. Romo and now you're two and five behind even the Washington professional football team oh my goodness so. that God that division's a mess too. Yeah, they're like the slightly better AFC South, where you can like maybe talk yourself into the Giants or the Eagles somehow figuring it out, whereas you know the entire AFC South is written off as generally atrocious. Yeah, it's. Then I'll be excited when the the six and ten Colts face off the seven and nine Giants in the Super Bowl. Yeah, we've been down this road before with the Giants. It seems like when they're actually good for the rest of the season, they'll disappoint in the playoffs, and when they somehow sneak in, well, yeah. So you're you're rooting hard for Philadelphia or the Washington professional team, I tell Oh, it. absolutely. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably for the best. I'm still I'm still keeping faith the Bears could somehow sneak in, but that's very unlikely. It so would probably saying. help if their first round wide receiver was playing this season, but that's true. He could have given one game at least, but no. And and it's I'm a big fan of uh, John Fox just not sharing any injury news at all. Um, if any player is hurt for any length of time, it's just like, oh, I'm sorry, we're going to have to keep this file under wraps. We can't can't tell anyone. It's like plutonium or something. Right. Especially nice when it's your starting quarterback missing games. God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just a disaster. It's good times. We'll 
better better brighter pastures ahead um also because we got to bring this back to miami college basketball season starts i believe miami's first game is tomorrow um the exhibition game against you know insert d3 school here um i've clearly looked at the schedule a lot um but coming off a, a trip to the nit finals last year and returning pretty much all but one player um from the roster last year are you very excited for this upcoming basketball season because I for sure am. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm excited for Miami Hurricanes basketball in general because ever since Jim Laranega has come on in the last five years or so, it's been the exact opposite of the football team where the football <laughs> team has a bunch of promising talent and they just sort of blunder their way to seven and five or six and six thanks to coaching or just terribleness. And the basketball team is the opposite. Now, finally, because of what he's done getting in the Sweet 16 a few years ago, they're starting to get some more talented players, but it seems like he is a, has a great ability to just get the best out of the team. And coming off of a season where, you know, yeah, they didn't make the NCAA tournament, even though they were on the bubble at the end of the year, had some nice wins, but to make that run, the NIT will help. And returning almost the entire team, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, is this team going to be as good as the team a few years ago that got up to number two at one point and rolled through the ACC and was a number two seed? I don't know, but definitely going to be competitive in just about every game. And yeah, should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I cannot wait. Um, just for college basketball in general, it's, it's I'm, I'm always amazed at how I can get suckered into a game. It'll be like VMI versus UTEP in mid-November and I'm like, well, there's only 11 minutes left in the second half. Let's just watch the rest of the Right, game. and then if it's Midnight Madness, by then another oh. game is on, and all of a sudden it's like 7 o'clock in the morning and you're not sure what you've done. <laughs> by, by the way, the, uh, the answer to who Miami is exhibitioning tomorrow is something called Dowling. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, a million uh, listener points to anyone who can... Which who can they'll, really, they'll, really, they'll really step it up against... Uh, the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley on November 13th for the regular season opener. Yeah, the Rio Grande Valley. Oh, well, no, that's the D-League team. Is the Rio Grande Valley uh, Vipers. Right. Um, so, I don't, yeah, I don't know what the actual... And then on uh, Monday, so... November 16th, before the Puerto Rico tip-off, they have a game against just Louisiana. <laughs> Not LSU or Louisiana Tech or Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana Monroe. No, just Louisiana. So I'm not really sure who they are either. It's just the state of Louisiana. Couldn't even get New Orleans. That would at least be a nice Sunbelt victory. Right. Um, but I guess any of those Louisiana teams outside of LSU and Tech would be Sunbelt. It's basically just Louisiana and Arkansas in that division, I think. Um, or that conference, I should say. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a great uh, – well, I say it's going to be a great basketball season. But it'll be a fun basketball season to watch, at least. And hopefully I, Angel Rodriguez doesn't get hurt and then – completely lose his confidence and ability to play basketball competently this year. Yeah, um, I would prefer if, yeah. if Good Angel showed up <laughs> the majority of the time. That would be nice. Fingers crossed. Um, do you have a, a early season prediction for college basketball just in terms of who you would have in your Final Four with, with no knowledge of how this season is going to shake out? Uh, honestly, not particularly. I haven't had a ton of time to preview it just with, you know, my arena football season going up until the end of August and then diving into other football season. So I haven't really had a chance to, to look at the national landscape that much. So, But if you, by all means, if you want to throw out a prediction, go for it. 
I have not done that either. Um, so I was, I was hoping I could just uh, snowball off your answer, but um, we will, we'll, we'll do a mid-season breakdown, right, where we can pretend that we made predictions and talk about how right we were. Exactly. I was listening to a, um, I did a podcast with uh, our our mutual friend Chris Hayes, a former University of Miami football player and current I uh, badass, and he I. Uh, he was really on point with his his March Madness predictions this past year, so I hope he uh, he entered in some some pools that had a nice payout. But um, I was very off, so I'm uh, I'm excited to be moving on and putting 2015 in the past. Exactly, it'll be wonderful. Um, and I guess before I before we talk everyone's ears off with our our sports, I do want to finish with the standard top three. I uh, the Jacksonville Sharks are. Well, first of all, the AFL does not seem to care as much about uh, celebrations after. Yeah, unless you like literally like spike the ball in the face of a player on the other (laughs) team or actually like generate contact with them, pretty much anything goes. Oh, please tell me that's happened. Just the guy got so mad and just spiked it in his opponent's face. That'd be amazing. Um, So Jacksonville in particular. I seems to have the the most creative touchdown celebrations, uh, at least that I have seen in recent memory, channeling you know the Joe Horns and Chad Johnsons of uh, of the world, but even more so um, in in terms of ridiculousness and and uh, extravagance. Um, so I would love to hear, having been with the team for for so many games, what are your three top three touchdown celebrations that you've gotten to see? Sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, specifically, one of our wide receivers, Tiger Jones, uh, is a guy who's been in the AFL for a while. Former Louisville player that probably nobody's ever heard of, but he uh, he's been in the league for six or seven years now. Played with Philadelphia for the last few years, and he's sort of built up a reputation for being creative. And he found the right mix because there's some other guys on our team that you know are more than willing to to participate with him. So. I'm just going to go ahead and give my top three Tiger Jones celebrations Ooh. because like at the end of the season, I did a compilation of his, uh, his touchdowns and I'll send you the link if you want to put it in the show notes or whatever, when, uh, when you post this so people can watch, but yeah, he did a little bit of everything. Um, I'd say my, my third favorite by him was we were playing in Cleveland and he got one of our offensive linemen to essentially run uh, some ball screen offense where he scored and then pretended to dribble the football around for about <laughs> 10 seconds and then uh, pass, dished it, went off a screen, and then sort of got open in the middle of the end zone, got the pass, and then uh, shot it through the uprights. So that was outstanding. And then my top two are probably um, – it was sort of a series because one happened one week, one happened the next. The first was uh, one of our other offensive linemen, Mo Ruffins, um, is one of the guys that really kind of joins him in the celebrations. Um, and so they reenacted the uh, the torture rack from rest professional wrestling fame. I'm not the biggest professional wrestling fan growing up, so I don't know who made that one famous. But um, Mo basically grabbed Tiger after a touchdown and – held him at, like, shoulder height and took, like, four steps and then dropped him and Tiger pretended to be pinned. Then the next week, which has to be possibly the greatest touchdown celebration of all time anywhere, is uh, a flawless reenactment of the people's elbow, which I appreciated as it, of course, being The Rock, former University of Miami football player and alum and philanthropist. But it it was great because the entire team got involved. So... 
Tiger essentially pretended to knock Mo down, did the people's elbow. Then we had a defensive lineman on the field who had come out for the extra point, and he kind of like threw his arms up in reaction. Then one of our wide receivers jumped on Mo to pin him, and then another one of our wide receivers got down and did like the three count uh, to call it out for the pin. So, yeah, the, the team celebrations are phenomenal because that's like the one thing you really can't do in the NFL or especially in college football. So the fact that that is uh, all, all bets are off in the AFL makes it awesome because, oh, by the way, there were no penalty flags <laughs> at all on any of these. So, yeah. Uh, yes, I'm definitely going to put that link um, on this this podcast's description just because it is – it's amazing. I having seen all of those, the people elbows one, the people's elbow one. Um, I I agree with you. Is I the only I uh, thing that I can even think of that rivals it is the Iceland um, Icelandic soccer team that I uh, does the crazy uh, touchdown celebrations every time they score a goal. Not touchdown, just goal celebrations. Um, and they have the one where, it, yeah, the whole team is always getting involved. And the my personal favorite is they have uh, one where it's the guy casting the, the iron, or the uh, the fishing rod, and then one of the other players is, like, bouncing across the ground. Um, and I just love it because he is 100% spot on, like, how a flopping fish would be. And, and it just seems like that would be really painful to do that on the turf. But he commits, and then, like, the whole team holds him up, and someone else takes a picture. And, you know, I don't know how how long I, these guys have to practice this to to make it, um, you know, as, as great as it is. But uh, in both of those cases, it's just been awesome to watch. So I hope I, you know, the, the I know they had to have practiced it, but part of me just kind of hopes they they all just impromptu knew what to do. And, and yeah, well, did it. I know for a fact, specifically with the people's elbow, like they talked about doing that because they've, uh, you know, they plan out the wrestling moves just so, mm-hmm. you know, so they know what's going to happen. But it was only the two of them. Like they were going to do the people's elbow. The entire rest of it, with the pin and the other receiver playing the ref, that was completely impromptu and just in the moment, and made it absolutely spectacular. God, so amazing. Um, yes. So everyone watch that because it is wonderful. And I know I tend to hyperbolize. I hope that's a word. Hyperbolize things. Um, and uh, this is not the case. It is. It is really fantastic to watch. And uh, Xander, that's that's all I've got on my end. Um, I know you're you're all over the internet, so where where can uh, people find you? Sure. I, well, I would be remiss if I did not plug my own podcast. Boom. Uh, it's called Win the Points, um, and me and uh, three of my buddies here in Jacksonville. Every Monday, we record. We actually broadcast it live on Mixler, and then we have a SoundCloud page as well. Um, general sports. I mean, we're definitely football heavy. Uh, we usually begin talking about the Jaguars, especially now that. The NFL season's in full swing, but a lot of general football talk and overall sports weirdness. So if you want to learn more about the Jacksonville Jaguars and just listen to four dudes who like talking about random sports stuff, give us a listen. Um, I'll send you that link as well if you want to throw it in. Um, other than that, on Twitter, it's XanderKeenPXP. That's Z-A-N-D-E-R-K-E-A-N-P-X-P. Uh, that would be my Twitter account. And yeah, those two things, that's pretty much how you can find me. Boom. Looking forward to it. So everyone, tune in and uh, tweet in. Yeah, I thought I had more to that sentence, but not really. It's all right. Um, tweet, tweet in words. It's always good. I've been trying to think of a great, uh, a great joke to wrap this podcast up because I always like to end with a joke. Um, but 
this is the 20th episode of Locally Sourced Joey, which is a, a pretty big milestone, I feel like. That's a, a nice round number. People seem to like that. It's one before the legal drinking age for this podcast. Um, and it, it gets to a point where I'm not sure which jokes I've told. Like, I know I have more than 19 jokes, but what what have has the audience heard already? So I'm going to tell one that I, I, I feel like is just very... Uh, very obvious um what the answer is and i'm sure uh, everyone has heard it and i'm trying to drag out this sentence so i can think of something else but i don't really have anything got nothing it's very sad very sad indeed so i will just uh yeah we'll just say it right now um and hopefully uh you haven't heard it already and if you have uh don't spoil it yeah so why actually you know what yeah we'll we'll do a different uh we'll, we'll audible on the fly here why was seven oh god what is it why is i six afraid of seven i don't know joey why is six afraid of seven <laughs> because seven is a registered six offender got him get after it today people <laughs>